Uh, today, y'all, we're going to be talking about the Delphi case. We have a guest coming onto the show. A little bit of background. When we started getting into the Delphi case and looking at Richard Allen as, or the case at all was after Richard Allen was arrested. So the only thing that we know about this case when it comes to Delphi is the Richard Allen angle. You know, I, I, when I was researching it, I came across Delphi After Dark where, you know, Rick Snay, who's the guy that runs the channel, he he brought up that there was some possible like uh, signs that were left out there, ruins. And when it came to fruition, I thought, man, I got to get in touch with this guy because he knows what's going on. Rick's name. Welcome to the Drunk Turkey Show. How you doing, man? Hey, everybody. I'm doing just fine. Thanks for having me. Well, you're welcome. Thank you for coming on. I uh, I see the I see the uh, instruments there. I, I hear you you do some music. What what do you do, yeah. man? <laughs> uh, I'm a bass player. Uh, my wife plays guitar. And I play bass and she also plays some keys and everything. But uh, we both sing usually, but my voice kind of is not reliable. I get sick and I lose my voice. And that's that's why I'm kind of gravelly right now. I'm just getting over it. When I sing, it's just it's just bad because I'm bad singing. <laughs> <laughs> There's no excuse. No excuse. Um, so you're you're from Indiana. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And you've been to Delphi. We had prior to this incident. Had you ever been out to that trail uh, that where Libby and Abby's life were taken? I didn't even know it was there when I was uh, young and everything. Um, the Hoosier Heartland didn't exist and all that. So the only time you really went to Delphi, unless you were dating a girl that lived there, was when you drove through there to get to Lafayette. So mm. um, in that respect, I. I passed through it many, many times. Were, were you close to that area, like in Indiana, or were you relatively far when the incident occurred? Um, yeah, when the incident occurred, um, see, I was born and raised in Logansport, which mm-hmm. is, you know, right next door there. And in 2004, I moved to Indianapolis. So I was actually in Indianapolis when this happened. I remember, I've, I've told this story before that I feel like everybody back in Logansport, um, through the surrounding areas around Carroll County, they all tell me that when they heard the girls were missing, they fully expected them to be found. They mm-hmm. thought they were going to be just fine. I guess I had gotten citified over you know the 13 years from the time that I moved to Indy until uh, the event because the first thing I thought when they said there were two teenage girls missing on a trail, I thought immediately they'd been murdered. And I just you know that's just where my my mind went. There's this whole Odinite Odinism angle that has been coming up coming about were you aware of, of that growing up and, and being in indiana is that a big thing I, I hadn't heard about it until it was brought up not so much the odinist thing but uh definitely with white supremacy racism things like that yeah i'd um i think i had one of your old shows i think you had uh judy maybe judy melvin something like that I, I, uh, julie melvin yeah 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 and y'all were talking about that and i was like wow that you know, definitely sounds like that in that area but when you when did you first hear about the Nor- Norwegian symbols or the cults that were possibly at the scene? Well, let's see, it's October, a little over a year ago, because it was before Richard Allen was arrested. And I had heard, the rumor that I heard was that there was an Ansus carved into a tree. And that's what the F symbol is with the slanted mm-hmm. downward. I had heard that was carved into a tree. And then um, probably back in... I'm going to say August, might have been July or August, I found out that it had actually been drawn in blood. And I'm pretty sure I'm the first person that ever uh, mentioned that being drawn in blood. I don't know. I mean, some people say that somebody else mentioned it first, but I'm the first person that I know of that mentioned it. Um, 
I just had, uh, I had a really good source. You know, this is one of the sources that I have. And I've been with this source for a little over a year, you know, mm -hmm. probably about 14, 15 months. I think I've been with this source and I uh, recently managed to bump into another source that's been giving me some pretty good information too. So it's just the luck of, you know, knowing who to talk to, I guess. Now the, these sources, and we don't need to know who they are, obviously. Uh, is there like a specific goal in mind? Do they think that Richard Allen is innocent? The one I've been talking to shortest amount of time doesn't really know, but they're like me. They think if it, if he is involved, he's not alone. Um, the other one, the source I've had for a very long time. No, they, they never thought Richard Allen was, was guilty. connected. No, I, I watched, I went back, watched a few of your, uh, your shows and a few of your podcasts and, and, and your episodes in the past. You, you had brought up the, the fact that bodies were cleaned. When did you hear that? And how did that information come about? And when you say clean, like scrub clean or just what, what do you mean by that? I've heard for probably about two years now that the scene itself was very clean. And now having seen the crime scene photos, it was a very clean crime scene. But back then, the rumor was that Ron Logan had, uh, when they to his property the day after the girls disappeared, he had empty jugs of orange cleaner laying around. Mm -hmm. And there were rumors about the girls being wet, like they had been washed down. And that that's where, you know, the, that all I think came basically from people who were discussing the Ron Logan theory with me, which mm -hmm. I'm still old school about the whole thing. I see Ron Logan on the bridge. You never know. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not, like I've said recently, I'm not married to the the fact that it was him, but it just, it, I mean, it just really looks like him to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he definitely did some suspicious things, you know, he, he came up with an alibi before the bodies were discovered. For exactly had, the time that they disappeared. Right. Right. Yeah. He, he did that. And I think that there was some suspicious things that he was doing. I think he went to like a fish shop and spent a significant amount of money on fish just so that people could remember that he was in there. Right. Uh, well, at least that was the allegation. And some stuff had come out and circulated referencing that he had violated or he'd been drinking and violating his his probation or parole. And that was the reason why he was lying. It made some sense to me. I, I don't know. I, I will say this, you know, had I been following this case from the beginning, I found out that, you know, somebody had came forward or that information came about that somebody had lied about or created an alibi before the bodies were discovered. Yeah, that'd be suspect number one. You know, that's like ding, ding, ding. Ron Logan, he's a guy that was the first guy that everybody thought could have could have committed this crime. There were some sketches that went out. Some of them, I don't, I don't really think any of them kind of look like him. Did no. you think any of those sketches look like him at all? Who, who do you think that those sketches were supposed to look like? Well, there's a very good reason why I don't think there are any sketches that are supposed to represent Ron. And that's because I don't think anybody saw him. In my theory, Ron came up from the south end, passed the girls, got to the, well, not the halfway, about the third way mark of the bridge. You could see the entire valley and see everything, see down the trail, see nobody's coming. And then he turned around. And that's mm -hmm. when I think they got suspicious and started filming. The work done by Louise Gibson, which is, or Lois Gibson, I'm sorry. Lois Gibson, who is a uh, an FBI forensic artist, she compared the bridge guy to Ron Logan, and she said that it was her expert opinion that it was the same person. And um, if you watch him walking on the bridge, the, the guy on the bridge has one arm up in it, you know, one hand up in his coat pocket and the other hand down here in his jeans pocket. And Ron used to walk that way all the time. There's pictures of him walking that way. And then, you know, Ron always wore the blue jacket the hat and everything. But then 
on the 15th, when the picture came out of the guy on the bridge, suddenly I never wore that blue jacket again and he never wore the hat again. He started wearing long sleeve red shirts and stuff, you know, completely changed his look. Yeah, well, I mean, if if, I, if somebody dressed, if I was dressed like somebody, I think I would change my look mm-hmm. too. Just especially right down the street. Right, right. It, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good at all. And especially, you know, the bodies found on his, his address. Now, going back to the day, there was some people that were, you know, looking for these little girls the day they disappeared. Now, how, how soon after they disappeared was somebody on the trail looking for her? Uh, within two hours because mm-hmm. i think they were ordered down the hill uh 213 yeah i think it was and libby's father arrived not even an hour later he mm-hmm. got there at 311 he went to he started down the trail he met uh dave mccain coming back from the high bridge and he asked him you know did you see two girls down that way and he said no and he said there was a couple under the bridge libby's father went down the other trail the 505 trail Mm-hmm. leads to the Marion Gerard Nature Preserve by the creek to see if the people down under the bridge were Libby and Abby. When he didn't find them, he got a hold of Becky, and then the cascade of phone calls, the domino effect of phone calls started going around. And before too long, I mean, I I would say probably around four o'clock, people were on the trail looking. And from where, how far do you think it is from where the bodies were discovered to where Libby's father was closest to. Like, how close did he get to that area running down those trails? I'd say less than a half a mile from where they were found. You know, I have one question. Um, to coincide with Richard's alibi, he always said that he was up there watching the fish. I find that too hard to believe because the fish would be like little specks from that high. Actually, there are some larger carp that you can see. Okay. Okay. You can see them from the bridge. I would say, have you been up there and walked the bridge before? I have a video on my page. A lot of people say that it's one of the best bridge crossing videos they've seen. It's the first time I'd ever even looked at the bridge and I crossed it really fast. I mean, I yeah. I was huffing it. I wanted to see how fast it would be you know, possible to get across that bridge. And I think it took me a little over three minutes. It looks like a pretty scary bridge. Yeah, I'm, t- I'm, scared. I'm terrified of heights. I don't think I could cross it. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty spooky. Well, I, I remember um, that they were re- working on it. They were rebuilding it. Yeah, I don't think we can go very far now on the bridge. I think it's cut off. Could you see Ronald Logan's property from the bridge? I don't know if I'm familiar enough with the area to be able to tell what I was looking at. Um, gotcha. I'm sure you probably could see some of it because um, his neighbors are right there. You know, so mm-hmm. you brought it up that you've gotten some pictures of the crime scene. Well, first, how, how many pictures have you received? I had uh, four pictures sent to me. Do you, kn- you don't have to disclose anybody, but do you know who the person is that sent it to you or was it by random? It was, it was uh, an anonymous email that has sent me stuff for probably about six months now. Just, you know, not like constantly, like maybe once every couple of weeks, um, they would send me something and they would say, you know, like, is this real or have you seen this? I've had a lot of people tell me they have crime scene picture, you know, and mm-hmm. then when they send them to me, they're not the crime scene. They're, they're fakes. Right. But this person, they, they emailed me and said, I, I've got something to show you. And mm-hmm. they said, uh, let me know if you think it's real or not. And the very first one I clicked on was Abby. And the minute I saw it, I knew it was real. I knew they, they were legit. Were the girls identifiable? Like as if somebody saw the pictures, they could definitely identify that those were Libby and Abby. Uh, if you knew 
what they looked like. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You said you got four. The first one was Abby. Was there anybody in the background of these pictures? No. Okay. So this is probably somebody that found them. I assume that if it was police department, then you would be able to see forensic people in the background, things of that nature, if you could see the background. I tend to think that they were some sort of official photos because it seemed like the way the pictures were taken to show certain aspects. I think that they were probably some kind of official source to begin with, but they weren't really pictures. They were pictures of pictures. There was one where you could see a cursor in the picture. Oh, gotcha. So you knew it was a picture of a, of a computer screen. Gotcha. So it was, I'm guessing, I mean, it could have been somebody uh, as disconnected, you know, to the main uh, body of the investigation as a paralegal doing something with the files. Now, in, in these pictures, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming you could probably get a, a clear view of the scene, did there look like there was any discoloration to one side or one part of the body that wasn't on the other side? No, not really. No? No. Okay. What about like swelling of the face? If you could have seen that, was there one yeah. side, not the other side? You couldn't really tell. Another reason why I'm asking is because sometimes when a, when a person passes, the uh, gravity will take place and the the blood will pretty much pull in one part or another part of the body and that'll end up getting, it'll be darker, it'll be right, purplish right. And, and stuff like that. So my, my thing is if, if, if there was some, like for instance, if the top of the forehead was um, like purple in the eyes and the face, then that's probably upside down, right? Um, yeah. They they were both kind of pale, very pale. Gotcha. Very pale. Yeah, uh, well, I they would be because from what we read is that they were drained pretty good amount of their blood out of their body. They wouldn't have the normal swelling that normally bodies would. They wouldn't bleed from the orifices as much. They would still, but not as much as they were if they were bled like the documents say they were. Yeah, so exactly the blood. What did the ground look like around them? Was um, it covered in leaves? Were there sticks? Were there dirt? What was the ground like? Leaves. There was leaves, so you would have been able to tell if they dragged them anywhere? And was there any sign of that? Nope. No sign of dragging. Did you see the uh, ruin that is alleged to look like an F? Yeah. I think they said that uh, they, they cut that part of the tree out, right? That's not there no more visible? Oh, no. I thought they uh, they didn't, that they left it there. Uh, maybe they took an imprint of it. Did the, the F you saw on the tree, did it resemble this accurately, or was it different? That doesn't look anything like it at all. Okay. It was definitely intentional and definitely meant to look like what it was. There's no doubt about that. This does not resemble anything I've ever seen. Oh, yeah, apparently um, it's supposed to be that. That's what they, um, I don't remember who it was. I think it was like on court TV. Somebody that supposedly yeah. saw it had brought this image up and saying that this was the F ruin. The, the story that I got was that this was uh, given to Barbara McDonald by Jerry Holman. Okay. Um, who is the, the lead uh, Indiana State Police uh, detective that's working on the case. You can see the, the sticks that were aligned on the bodies. Did it appear that they were purposefully put in place in the position that they were, or did it look yeah, more random? Definitely. There is no way there was anything random about it. It mentioned that, or also the, the paperwork from the defense mentions how clean Abby was. You didn't see, I'm assuming there was no blood on her clothes, because I know she was wearing Libby's clothes. Is that correct? Yeah, she was wearing Libby's uh, jeans and hoodie. Mm -hmm. So Delphi swimming, I think. And there was what looked like an asterisk symbol, which is a ruin on her. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of on the uh, left shoulder, maybe. Gotcha. And uh, <clears throat> so the, did you see the horns that supposedly were above Abby? I saw uh, 
The, the sticks that I saw looked more like antenna than horns. They were thin and long, and one of them was like kind of leaning over to the side. Yeah, this is a very inaccurate photo here. Or this is it, very inaccurate? Yeah, really inaccurate because it's only showing the main sticks that were on there. Libby was on the right, not the left. Abby's at more of almost like a 90 degree angle. They they both were kind of framed with larger branches. It's, it was it was weird. It was weird looking. And which branch um, was the one that looked like it had been cut by a circular saw or something? Was it one of the framed? Or was it one of the ones that were placed in the body? Um, it was one of the ones that uh, was, I think it was one of the ones that was on Libby. You could just see the end of it stood out. You could see mm-hmm. it. Uh, that's <clears throat> that's why I've heard some people talking about it. And they said, you know, oh, there were no sticks that looked like they had been cut. Well, then you didn't see the crime scene photos because <laughs> there is a stick that looks like it was definitely cut. And the branches, which one would you say was the largest and, and how, how big would it have been? The one that was on the left side of Libby was probably the biggest. And I would say it was maybe a big around. Oh, wow. That's a big. Longer than Libby. Gotcha. Over five foot. So outside of the one that was cut by a saw, do you think any of those those branches or sticks, whatever they were, were they all brought to the scene, or do you think the majority of them were found at the scene? I think that for what they needed them to be, I think they had they probably would have brought them with them. They could have been found at the scene. I can't rule that out. Did any of the? I thought I had heard that Libby had leaves on her. Was that accurate? No. And there was no blood underneath her either. The floor. No. No, um, on her hands and face, and then like drips on the body, but that was it. You know, I find interesting the most uh, out of the defense's statements about possibly involved is Elvis Fields. He made some statements that kind of suspicious. You know, he talks about being a brother of somebody now, he talks about the antlers or the horns, as he called them, that was left on Libby's or Abby's uh, on top of Abby's head. And he even talks about spitting on one of them. Yeah, I think there's a good possibility that that guy was there and he's involved. The horns, would you have described him as horns or would you have described him as antler? I would have called him antenna. <laughs> That's the way it looked <laughs> to me. But if they were meant to be horns, then I would say horns, not antlers, because there weren't any branches out that I saw. The hand placement on Abby, was it along like her, both of her hands along her face? No. Or was it the arms? were up like this and her hands were inside the sweatshirt. I, I the way I described it was kind of like if you're getting ready to do the chicken dance, you know? That's the yeah. way her arms were. What what are your thoughts on on this Odinite angle? Do you, do you do you think that it's more reasonable than what the prosecution is putting forward about Richard Allen? Where, where do you stand on that? A lot of people they hear Odinism, you know, they're thinking religious stuff, they're thinking all these different things. You know, I've had a lot of people tell me people Viking cosplaying and dancing around and everything. And then these, you know, like sacrifice and everything. You have to understand this was just a murder. It was a murder. It had a motive. There was a reason they wanted somebody gone. That was the deep down motive of the whole thing. Um, The way I usually describe it to people is because, you know, I try to use something that everybody's heard of. The Manson case. You hear about Helter Skelter. Helter Skelter was just the thing that uh, Vince Bugliosi, the prosecutor, used to tie all of them together and make them all equally guilty. He had to have some way of making Charlie guilty because Charlie didn't kill anybody. Mm -hmm. So 
Helter Skelter was just the thing he used. And it was also kind of the thing that Charlie used to get the kids to kill for him. But in reality, the reason they, they were sent to the, the Tate residence was because it was the former residence of Terry Melcher, who Charlie felt had screwed him out of a record deal. Right. And he was angry. And that was the whole thing. So, of course, he had to come up with some other reason why they were doing it. You know, oh, we're going to start Helter Skelter and all that. That was just to get everybody to follow along. These guys are nothing but criminals. They're nothing but thugs. And these don't think of it as a cult. Don't think of it as a religion. Think of it as a gang because that's what they are. They're a gang, like a motorcycle club. They're just a gang. That's all they are. Now, is that uh, across the board or these specific, um, I can't remember, it starts with a V. Van Vandal Billinders. Billinders, yeah. Billinders, is it those specific yeah. ones that are kind of like a gang, or is it across the board when it comes to the Odinists? Um there are several different types of Odinists. Mm -hmm. Um, some of them actually are pretty religious and they are not at all racist. They're very inclusive. They bring everybody in. Then you have your uh ones that are racist, but they're not really violent. Then you have your other section, which is they're violent and they're racist. Mm -hmm. And you can read about these guys. The Vinlanders, the whole thing got started back in like 2003. But when they decided to do this in Indiana, one of the guys that was the founder of the, the whole beginning of it in Indiana had come from a skinhead group and um, he was pretty violent. Now he's since made amends and turned around and, you know, turned his mm -hmm. life around. Um, but when these groups get started, they, they, just like any other gang, they got to have a way to make their money that supports their activities. And a lot of times that's going to be through crime of some kind or another. If you look at what happened in Carroll County, just a couple months before in Flora, there was a house fire that killed four African-American girls. That fire was ruled arson. They've never solved it. And to this day, it doesn't look like they're even trying to solve it. If Brad Holder talked about setting a fire that killed two girls. I had the number wrong, thought two girls, but there were actually four, and that could have been Flora. Right. Um, but there was also a woman who was killed in a suspicious fire with her daughter, who was in a state police officer who just so happened to be the person that did the polygraphs on Elvis Fields' sister and Brad Holder's wife, and most of the polygraphs, if not all, for the Flora case. Oh, so wow. this woman was killed. In a suspicious fire, you know, yeah. shortly after taking polygraphs about a suspicious fire. Interesting. You know? <laughs> and I've said it before, like when it comes to like corruption and things of that nature, is it possible for law enforcement corruption and all this other stuff? Yeah. But it's usually typically like in the smaller areas, smaller regions, you know, where you have some big fish in a small pond. You know, yeah. the bigger the department, there's more checks and balances and things of that nature. Uh, Delphi and Carroll County, it's not very big out there, correct? No, not at all. So, um, I think, how many did they say there were? Somebody in the chat might be able to help me, but I think there's like, is it 12,000 people in the whole county? Uh, Delphi is the county seat, and there are only like 3,000. Everybody knows everybody there. <clears throat> That's true. Have you ever heard of the name Marcos Salinas? Mm -hmm. Any any ties to him and anything? Um, some people think he was the guy that gave them Richard Allen, but I don't think that's true. I don't know exactly what his whole deal was. He had been arrested for child molesting, but they knew what was going on with him, kind of like Kagan Klein. They knew what was going on with him. You know, 
but they left him free for the longest damn time. And then yeah. they went back, you know, and arrested him. Okay. But yeah, that the, in the very beginning, people were saying that uh, Linus had uh, given up Richard Allen kind of to make it easier on himself, you know, to get a, a lighter sentence. But I haven't seen anything that makes me think that. From what you have heard in your sources, is it true that the only reason why they look back at Richard Allen was because of his statement after the incident had occurred? To me, the reason they looked back at Richard Allen is because if you, right before Richard Allen was arrested, uh, Kagan Klein had been held for mm -hmm. yeah, two years. He was being visited by at least three different women. They all thought they could get him to tell them what he knew about Delphi. And they were all trying to, you know, and basically whatever they wanted to hear, he was telling them. If they wanted to hear he didn't have anything to do with it, he was telling them, no, man, it wasn't me. I didn't have nothing to do with it. If they wanted to hear it was his dad, he was telling them, yeah, man, it was, my dad killed him. It wasn't me. You know, if they wanted to hear it was him, then he was like, you know, being vague about it, but like making, you know, comments that maybe it could have been him, you know. Right. So he started telling some of these stories and it started getting out to like Murder Sheet and some of these other places. And the, the police transcripts didn't help much at all because they're allowed to lie. And a lot of mm -hmm. people won't realize that. So some of the stuff they were throwing at him and accusing him of was totally bogus. But, mm -hmm. you know, they, they were making it up. People right. think it's true because they don't know that cops are allowed to lie when they interrogate. Hagen was putting all this effort into, you know, fooling all these women or whatever. And there was one in particular, they started to believe his story. You know, the cops were listening, you know, to, him, to her. And that's where the river search came in. Uh, Kagan told them, that uh, he was waiting in a red Jeep for his dad and his dad killed the girls. And then they, you know, he came back and they were driving home. And when they were driving over the bridge, over the Wabash, he threw the knife out the window. So they believed that and they mm -hmm. had the river search. And then toward the end of the river search, here comes the chop cop, the cop chopper with um, Carter in it. And then they took Kagan to uh, Miami County Correctional. And this next part came directly from Kagan. He told me this when I talked to him the day before he went to prison. He said they took him to Miami County, uh, Grissom Air Force. It's now a prison. Mm -hmm. They showed him general population and they told they took him back to a room and told him, oh, either you tell us what we want to know or we're going to put you in general population and watch you get beaten and raped every day. And he finally mm -hmm. told him, I don't know anything about Delphi. So <laughs> now here it is, August. There's a sheriff's election coming up months before Tony Liggett had won the uh, Republican nomination for sheriff. Mm -hmm. In Carroll County, that's the sheriff's election because there's never a Democrat running. Mm -hmm. But this time, people started getting frustrated about not having any progress on the case. A guy named Pinkard entered as a independent. Pinkard was running against Liggett and he was doing pretty well. And he was beating him over the head with the Delphi case. So in August, all of a sudden, they didn't get their confession out of Kagan like they thought. In fact, they found out Kagan didn't know nothing. Mm -hmm. That's why Richard Allen was arrested. They had mm -hmm. to have somebody. They had to make an arrest. They made sure that they got those records, that the documents sealed, so nobody could see them till after the election. That's why Richard Allen was arrested. Interesting. So what would Kagan benefit blaming his dad in the first place? He was just telling them what they wanted to hear. He was just, you know, he told me uh, one of the women was very infamous in the case. <laughs> One of the women was telling him she wanted to marry him. He was going to sell her car to bail him out. He told me, he said, hell, she was going to bail me out. I, I would have said anything she wanted to hear. 
you're friends or acquaintances with with Keegan Klein's father, Tony Klein. Is that correct? Yes. And there's been a lot of speculation on his part and on part of his son. And if they knew, apparently they all went to Vegas at one point and had some questionable interactions or, or something of that nature. Uh, how much of all that is true? Not much of it. People talk about, you know, they ran off to Vegas. Now, Tony showed me the uh, paperwork for his vacation. He put mm-hmm. in for that vacation in October of the previous year. Mm. So, so yeah, it, it was planned. Gotcha. When they went out to Vegas, Egan, he did a search for Sandy Hook bodies. A lot of people say, you know, ooh, you know, Sandy Hook bodies, you know, why would he do that? Well, we have a saying on Delphi After Dark, context is king. And the mm-hmm. context of that search was, at the time, Alex Jones was telling his listeners, go out and look on the internet. You can't find bodies of Sandy Hook victims anywhere because he was mm. saying it was a fake. Right. But actually, uh, the reason you couldn't find the bodies is because the press didn't take pictures of the bodies because they were babies. You know, yeah. they were five and six years old. Did Tony Klein ever think that Keegan was involved? He had his doubts. He had his doubts. Now, uh, and I, I've always had this one question about, oh man, Google Earth has changed on me. A couple of things. And let me pull up the good old Google Earth here. So apparently... Supposedly that Richard Allen is uh, 2016 Ford Focus or his 2009 Ford Focus, one of those two, is seen passing by the Hoosier Harbor store on 300 North. And he's heading towards the old CPS building, according to what they're saying. I'm not familiar with this area. Like, where would he be coming from to be traveling westbound 300 North? He would have been coming from, um, trying to get a look at it here. If you, um, you got the Freedom Bridge and the Hoosier Heartland goes under the Freedom Bridge. Huh? 300 is a little road that comes off and goes around. There's like a bridge that they call Old 25 Bridge, mm-hmm. and it goes underneath that, and then it winds around this way, and it goes past the old CPS building, and then it turns, and it goes past the mirrors, and then it, eventually it's Ron Logan in the cemetery. Well, he would have been going the opposite direction. He would have been coming from the area of the cemetery to toward um, the Freedom Bridge. Right, right. Yeah, that, you know, that was my question. It's like, all right, he lives west of this area. His work is west of this area. Mm-hmm. I, I heard you ask that the other night. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. That, the other night. Yeah, that was my biggest question. And I always thought, you know, maybe perhaps he was coming from Ron Logan's area. But after hearing what was going on, the possible, you know, ritual sacrifice that may have been happening, I think maybe perhaps he was at, you know, maybe with somebody at, at the site, you know, regardless of who it was, somebody, are you seen the scene? Mm-hmm. Do you think that somebody could have um, created that scene with the materials there? Or do you think that somebody would have had to have dropped off some certain things? Uh, they pre-planned could. This? It could have created. I think it would be difficult because they needed the sticks to be certain shapes. So I think it would be difficult, but I think it would be possible. I wanted to address a question I saw up here. Somebody asked about, what about Kagan searching for the Marathon gas station in Delphi that's within walking distance to Allen's house? He didn't do that. That was a rumor. There's a lot of things about Kagan that got twisted. And, you know, there were rumors that people accept as fact. So many people accept as fact that he had a meeting set up with Libby that day at the bridge. He never said he did. People say that he said he did. No, it was during the interrogation. The cops told him that a friend of Libby's told them, the police, that she talked to Anthony Schatz the night the girls disappeared or the night the girls were found and said, did you hear what happened to Libby? And he said, no, what? And she said she, he, she was murdered yesterday. And he said, 
oh my God, I was supposed to meet her, but she didn't show up. No. Mm-hmm. You know, that the girl said that. Kagan said, no, that's a lie. He repeatedly said that's a lie. Now he's going to say that's a lie, of course. But, but my point being, he never said that he had a meeting set up that day, with, you know. Right. Um, so, you know, that with the marathon station thing, you know, the FBI losing the surveillance at the marathon station. No, none of that's true. But, so, so he didn't search up the marathon station in Delphi that day? No. Oh, okay. For me, it was kind of the same thing when it came to like Ron Logan, Keegan Klein. I was like, these guys were like persons of interest in this case. If they got anything concrete on either one of them, they would have been hooked up for the crime, in my opinion. You know, I think they were looking at them. They wanted it to be them. You know, I don't think that these two guys had anything that you know, would want you to cover it up. <clears throat> like, for instance, you know, there's this Odinite theory and there's some law enforcement officials wearing Odinite type patches. So is it possible that there's there could be a cover up for that reason? Maybe. I, I don't know. But I couldn't see a reason why they would want to cover up for, for Ronald Logan or for uh, Keegan Klein. Like they, they aren't anybody to to be saying, all right, you know, we're going to look somewhere else and frame somebody else. And so to me, I always thought if they found absolutely anything that put, puts them there or anything like that concrete, they would have gotten hooked up and, and, and would have gotten charges. I had my doubts about Keegan Klein being physically there. I, I always thought that maybe perhaps he had something to do with it. And, and the main reason is, is that there was three girls that were walking out of the trail and they saw somebody coming in, right? And this was around 1.30 in the afternoon. Right. And this person was uh, described by at least one of the victims to be wearing something similar to the guy that's seen on the bridge. Right. Uh, witness statements are very unreliable. And the reason being is if you walk past somebody, you're not expecting to remember what they're wearing, what they look like, exactly. none of those things. It's just the person passing by. You know, after the fact, when somebody asks you about it, you're trying to recall. And it's, it's very rarely if not ever 100% accurate, it's always, something's always wrong, but you have somebody walking in and it matches the description. And what they describe is that this guy basically is walking with a purpose. The uh, reason why I'd asked you about the possibility of there being a ceremony or, or something being done at Ron Logan's property prior to uh, is because of the apparel of the person seen on the bridge. It appears that that person is wearing some heavier clothing. And I, from what I understand is this was a, a warmer day. It was still cold, but it was a warmer day for, for Delphi and for February. I, I thought that there was a good possibility that this person was at Ron Logan's property at the scene, maybe preparing for it. That notification that that Libby and Abby were, were on their way. So it was time for him to leave. And if it were Richard Allen, just speculating here, and let's say he wanted to come over here and prepare the scene, he, I mean, he's not going to walk through the water. He's going to be parked probably out here at this, uh, if he's not related to Ron Logan, he's probably at this cemetery, which is why at uh, 127, he's caught on the uh, Lose Your Harvest Store um, camera. What I was kind of thinking and coming up with. And then when I saw the apparel, I thought, you know, that kind of makes me believe that this guy had been out there for a while. With all that said, do you know, has there been any rumors as to, or any of your sources come out saying what the motive was for Richard Allen? Because apparently there's no tie between him and Odinism. Is that correct? Uh, not that has been discovered, no. Right, right. So- um, mostly, for some reason, um, law enforcement with this case has been dead set from the very beginning on making it a sexual crime, a sexually motivated crime. Mm-hmm. Um, they wasted years checking out every child molester in the area, every registered sex offender. You know, they 
they just had tunnel vision that this was a sexually motivated crime. Mm-hmm. Um, if you consider the fact that you have these other guys that could have been involved, um, and you consider the fact that one of them is the father of someone who is dating one of the victims, you know, that's that to me, you should look at that a little more close, but you know, yeah, that would that would make sense if as to how they would have known, you know, if somebody's father or one of the suspects their son was dating one of the victims and had access or pre 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 knowledge that they were going to be at the uh at the trail that day you know and there's no uh, what's the word i'm looking for um if there's no if there's nothing on their phone which i'm assuming they forensically went through them which means that they would come up with everything then you would assume that they would have found something that would have tied back to that communication whoever it was that they were going to be meeting that day. Now, if she didn't tell anybody that wasn't suspicious, I mean, like she telling her boyfriend, maybe the day before, I'm going to go to, you know, the bridge, you know, sometime tomorrow, or maybe even when they hung out, supposedly they hung out while dad was in, in, you know, there for the weekend while he was practicing ritual stuff with Patrick and that his son would go and, you know, hang out with her at the basketball courts or something like that. You know, there's a good possibility. Maybe she verbally told him that on Sunday, and they were aware by by Monday. I personally don't think that Holder was physically involved there at the time. You know, I do think that there is some information that's probably going to come forward to clear him. And that being, you know, the recordings of him at work and stuff like that. And apparently he went to the gym afterwards. And I'm assuming 2017, they probably have some sort of like login card or picture or camera or something in that gym that puts him there. But that doesn't mean that his buddy Patrick had nothing to do with it or he didn't give Patrick information about Libby and Abby being at that bridge that day. And I I think the rumor was that they stopped being friends because of a ritual. Isn't that correct? Yeah. And I heard um, Pat Westfall's uh, explanation for that today. And it is the most ludicrous crock of shit I've ever heard in my life. I mean, he claims Patrick Westfall, he was Uh interviewed by a different, um, creator today. And he claims that the reason he and Brad Holder stopped being friends and hanging out and everything was because he found out that Brad Holder was going to a Christian church on the side. And he told Brad, hey, man, you're either all in or you're all out. And then Brad Holder, whose entire life was about this Odinism crap on his page, on his Facebook page, his Instagram, all of it, runes everywhere, weapons, you know, these pictures from this, you know, Nordic stuff and everything. And he just chose Jesus over that is unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, to this day, Brad Holder is not a Christian. I was going to say, isn't he, doesn't he, wasn't he still posting up about Odinism and things of that nature recently? It's a bunch of shit. There's no way, no way that that's the reason that they, you know, I can't see Brad Holder using Jesus over his buddies and stuff. I don't know. That's a crazy theory that he changed. But people do change sometimes, but I don't know. My question I had was real quick was, I know you've been to a few of the, of the court hearings. Between when they first arrested Richard Allen and the way he looks now mentally, do you think he's even capable of being put on the stand? I used to work at the Logan Sports State Hospital. I was a psychiatric aide. One of my duties there was to observe the the patients after they'd been given their medication. Richard Allen, to me, when I see him in that courtroom, 
He looks like he is just out of it. He looks like they have him drugged up to the gills. So I don't know as far as, you know, uh, where he's at mentally right now. I do know that regardless of whether he is guilty or innocent in the long run, he is supposed to be considered innocent. And I, I think it's unconscionable that they're holding him in a prison. Right. Yeah, that's one of the biggest complaints that they have is that he's held in the wrong type of facility. And, and I understand, you know, their point and, and I get it. And I understand why he might want to be out of there, especially with this whole Odinism stuff that's going on. You know, the one thing that I found super concerning was, uh, I guess, the uh, the prosecution responded and there had some affidavits of some of the uh, the jailers. And, and basically, they all stated that uh, they did have the patches on and they were ordered to take them off. If there was nothing wrong with them, why would they be ordered to take them off? There you go. You know, that, I mean, that was the one thing I just like. Yeah, these are questions that I think they're going to end up having to answer. Um, the bullet, you know, everybody says, oh, they got a bullet from his gun and all that. That bullet, they don't have chain of custody. It was mm. not found by the police. It was found by a civilian. And then they called the mm. police and the police went out and picked it up. You know, when did they find it? They found it at the crime scene between where the bodies had laid. I'm guessing they probably were out there with a the metal detection. And but that's a guess. But, but you said the police didn't find it and it was found at the crime scene. So it was after they had left the scene. Yeah, that's that's odd. That's interesting. And I mean, that's the biggest thing that's kind of pointing towards Richard Allen is, well, the only two things that are pointing towards Richard Allen is his statement that he was there and, and that bullet. Now, his statement that he was there, in my opinion, kind of, I mean, that puts him there. And, and the main reason is he describes this, the incident with the three juveniles. He mentions coming in and there was three juveniles and one was taller. And you had these three juveniles saying that they were leaving and they saw a guy coming in that you know kind of match the description sort of you know to richard allen there's a picture that's taken at 126 at a uh, at a bench on this bridge before they were exiting so we know that that interaction happened after 126 p.m if it was richard allen as he had as he initially claimed he was there at that time i find it very difficult for him not to be the guy on the bridge now you've seen richard allen in person can you describe his stature how tall heavy things of that nature he is um, now probably about, I'd say he looks about 50 pounds lighter than he was when he went in. He is probably about 5'4". He walked right past me in the courtroom and he came up to about here on me and I'm six foot. So he's a very short guy. At first, the first time I saw him, he looked, you know, like he was, you know, a healthy guy, maybe, maybe a little paunchy, you know, like me. Now, I mean, he's, I, he just looks, I don't know. I honestly don't know if I would recognize him as the same guy if I didn't know it was him. Oh, wow. Some people have a theory that it's just him um, putting on a show. So if they put him on the stand and say, does this look like the gentleman in the video or the photos? He's going to look nowhere near there. He's going to look, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> he's, he's, not, he's not stocky no more. He, you know, he's, he's lost a lot of weight. They're going to be saying that's two different people. Uh, I, I mean, that's that's a possibility, Blue, but to do something like that, to have the willpower to not eat and to, especially if there's like food placed in front of you and, and things of that nature, that takes a lot of mental strength. You're going to jail for life. You would do anything to not go to jail for life. The affidavits today also stated that the, uh, the that Richard Allen was ended up being tased twice on two different occasions, that that ended up being true. What is the reason why... The prosecution doesn't want to move Richard Allen. Is there is there a reason? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. They say they want to keep him safe, mm -hmm. but Cass County Jail said, hey, we can keep him safe here. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand it. I don't understand why Judge Gull ruled 
to keep him there back in April. You know, I thought the defense made a pretty good case to move him, you know, but. Yeah. So when do you think court's going to happen? I'm going to say probably the summer. Good deal. You think that the, they're going to allow cameras in the courtroom? I, yeah, I think eventually they will. Yeah. Mm. I think it's going to be, there's going to be an outcry. Somebody's hey. asking me if I will speak about the sketchy credibility of Dan Doolin. Um, Who's that? Dan Doolin is the conservation officer that originally took Richard Allen's statement. Mm, okay. Now he says he recorded it, but he lost the recording. Mm. So he gave his notes from the meeting to Toe Blesenby or to Tony Liggett. And Tony Liggett used those notes to write the PCA. Richard Allen doesn't claim that he got there at 1.30 and left at 3.30. He says he got there at 12.30 and left at 1.30. Um, the witnesses saw him at the bridge. There were four girls. When Doolin wrote up his notes, there were three girls that made statements. And that's all we knew about until the PCA came out. And then they said there were four girls walking together. Mm -hmm. So why does Dan Doolin say that Richard Allen only saw three? Because... At the time, Dan Doolin only knew about three. Mm -hmm. You know, you can only trust this case as far as you trust Dan Doolin and Tony Liggett. And these are two guys that have been caught in lie after lie after lie after lie. People need to go and look at the case of what happened to Jesse Snyder in uh, Delphi or in Carroll County. Mm -hmm. Dan Doolin was heavily involved in that. Um, they just invented evidence against this guy and tried to ruin his life. And they got caught. Yeah, you you can only trust the evidence in this case as long as you trust Dan Doolin and Tony Liggett. I don't trust either one of them. That's why I don't trust the case. Did they ever go back and get like so cell phone information from Madden that time? I, I haven't read any of that. Did they claimed that I don't know something about he had a different type of phone or something. I don't know something with the the data and everything. That doesn't even you know when they the part that gets me is this with the bridge. They, the woman that saw the guy on the bridge, mm -hmm. Betsy Blair, she saw a guy on the bridge and she claims he was dressed like the guy in the video. She doesn't say she saw Richard Allen. He says she saw a guy in his 20s or early 30s. He swears she saw a very young guy. The first sketch, the source of the first sketch, the old guy sketch, mm -hmm. that was a woman named Sarah Carball. Sarah Carball in the PCA says she saw a man walking down 300, in a blue jacket, and he's muddy and bloody. Now we come to find out the defense interviewed Sarah Carball and she told them, I didn't say he was wearing a blue jacket. I said he was wearing a tan jacket and I didn't say anything about him being bloody. I said he was muddy. So who hmm. added the muddy? I mean, the bloody and who changed the color of the jacket? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. If there, if, so you said there was a chain of custody issue with the bullet. Was that just because the police didn't find it or was it after the fact once they collected it? Yeah, it's because the police didn't find it. There is no way to tell that it was there on the first day, on the day of the murders. There's just no way to tell, you know. Yeah. Um, just I mean, like there's no evidence whatsoever that they were that they were there where they were found the day before. Here, here's the thing. Right. I mean, all, all, all Richard Allen has to say is that he had gone shooting at the shooting range a couple of times wearing that whatever he was wearing. Says that he was constantly checking his phone. Is it possible that he had a round that he had, you know, you know, gone through his his weapon in his pocket and when he pulled out his phone, it fell out. One of the girls walking on the trail sees it, picks it up. Now it's on her person. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's, that's a reasonable explanation, especially if, you know, we know that Richard Allen was on the trail. We know he said he kept checking a, a stock report app on his phone. 
So, I mean, that's how I would, if I was, you know, his defense attorney, I'd say, hey, I mean, even if it was his bullet, isn't it possible that his round came out of his pocket when he was checking his phone, you know, while he was on the trail? And, you know, given the fact that there was so limited amount of people that were on the trail at that time that, you know, if the girls came across it, they could, they would come across it and maybe perhaps pick it up. And that would explain it. And then you really don't got anything, especially if you if you have the police department lying about certain things and they're not being, the recording's not there going off of the notes. Yeah, that don't sound like a very strong case to me. If that bullet makes it to trial, I'll be shocked. I'll be yeah. really shocked. I want to address something about Ron Logan. Um, I saw somebody saying that if you th- still think that Ron Logan had any involvement in the crime, that you don't have any credibility. But let me explain something. Ron Logan's phone, and these we're not talking here. This was the FBI uh, GPS location because they used it when he used his phone. Ron Logan used his phone, received or made a phone call at 209 from the area of the bridge. This is how they knew that he had made up an alibi because he said he was gone on his way to Lafayette at two o'clock, but his phone was still at the bridge. Ron Logan asked his cousin for an alibi before he knew the bodies had been discovered, before he even should have known the girls were killed. He asked for that alibi to start at the exact time the girls were abducted. Nobody knew what time that was. We didn't find that out until a couple days later. But somehow Ron knew to ask for an alibi at two o'clock. Next thing that's suspicious, people say, well, Ron asked for an alibi because they, he, you know, he didn't want to uh, get caught driving. They knew he drove. They, they knew he drove all over town. Like you said, everybody knows everybody in Delphi. The cops saw him driving. He wasn't afraid of them finding out he was driving. Then you have the fact that at 8 p.m., okay, well, before that, you had somebody standing just across the bridge where the bodies were found and telling people that came that way, oh, you don't need to check here, uh, check over that way. This has been verified by many people that were searching that day. Mm-hmm. That if that person hadn't stopped them, they kept going where they were going, they would have found the bodies. I don't think so, because I don't think the bodies were there yet. Mm-hmm. At 8 p.m., Ron made a text from the area where the bodies were discovered. He made another text at 10 p.m. from the same spot. So for some reason, Ron was out there right where the bodies were found at 8 and 10 p.m. That's why I can't dismiss Ron as a suspect. I'm not saying he definitely is the guy on the bridge. I'm saying until I see something that convinces me that somebody else is that guy, that's who I see. So um, if that makes me not credible in one's eyes, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that, you know. But, right. uh, like, like knowing that information, it's it, I don't find anybody not want to follow that lead. You know what I'm saying? Like anybody in the right mind would have wanted to say, all right, this guy is highly suspicious. And law enforcement thought that as well because they uh, applied and was granted a search warrant for his property. So, you know, that tells you that law enforcement, FBI, they thought that that was, you know, that guy. So if law enforcement is looking in that direction why would it be crazy for people to also look in that direction? Now, for me personally, I don't think it's Ron Logan on the bridge. I think that, you know, if Ron Logan was involved, I don't, I don't think he'd be the guy to go do the kidnapping aspect. I think that multiple people may have been involved in this. And I, I really strongly suspect this Elvis Fields guy. I mean, the words, the descriptions that he said, just they're too on point. They're too on point, you know, especially about the uh, the horns and and things of that nature. And, you know, what he said about being on the bridge and, 
and you know telling his sister that they had actually committed the crime and the whole nine yards so i, I strongly suspect that that guy was involved but my thing is if there's multiple people that are involved, I don't think you send out the 70 something year old guy to do the kidnapping part. You know, I think he's probably just supplying maybe perhaps the address, the house, maybe some sheds or something like that. Now, you said that you don't think that the uh, crime was committed there. Uh, why is that? And where do you think it did happen? Where it happened is anybody's guess. But as far as when it happened, I think it happened sometime during the night. Um, I don't think there were any, you know, a lot of people will tell you that we're searching that day. They looked in that area where the bodies were eventually found and they weren't there the day before. Hmm. Um, so what I think happened, they were kidnapped from the bridge, put in a car, taken somewhere and held. Now, the problem that they have when people say, well, you know, um, Brad Holder says he was at work and he was clocked in and he's on the camera at work. Brad Holder doesn't have to be the bridge guy. Right. Brad Holder could have had somebody else abduct them and then, you know, after work, gone to Delphi. Mm-hmm. Now, the the thing about that is, and I know you, you talked about this in your uh, previous slide, there was a post by Brad Holder at about 2 a.m. on the 14th, and it said, my testosterone and adrenaline are off the charts right now, you know. Too bad I got to work out by myself or whatever. Right. Yeah, I had seen that, and that was was kind of weird. And like I said, I mean, this the way the scene has been described, or, or what we know of it, and what you've seen of it, it definitely does sound like there's more to it. Why do you think law enforcement weren't so were so quick to dismiss it? Why wasn't that an angle that they would have looked into? You know, why is why do you think Odinism has holds something over law enforcement that they would look elsewhere? You have Elvis Fields telling his sister on the 14th, mm-hmm. the day of the, they were discovered. You have him telling his sister he did something and he might have to go away for a long time. Didn't mention what it was. But then later, you know, like I don't know how much later, but just at, you know, another time, he told her he was uh, present at a ceremony where two girls were killed and he now has a brother because he was at this thing. He even says he spit on one of the girls. Now, why would he do that? Well, I think because this guy, he idolized Brad Holder and these other guys. He wanted to join their group. I think their original plan was to make Elvis Patsy. I think they told him, spit on her. He spit on her. And that was meant to be recovered by the cops. I can tell you the prosecution has three types of DNA from the crime scene. Mm -hmm. They have animal DNA, unidentified animal DNA. They have incomplete profile and corrupted. It's possible that the corrupted sample, they don't know where it got corrupted. It could have gotten corrupted when they were collecting it. It could have gotten corrupted at the lab. Um, But it's possible that the DNA sample that was corrupted could have been the saliva. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if he's saying that that he spit on one of them, there should be something there. Was Indiana a death penalty state? Are they going for that in this case? They haven't said. Yeah, that was one of the things I was thinking. Do you think that justice will ever happen in this case? You know, if Richard Allen ends up walking for whatever reason. Do you think that you know Fields will ever see uh, the inside of a prison or anybody else? I think Richard Allen goes to trial and he's acquitted. I think they'll go back and revisit the Odinism. Like I said, they there are eyewitnesses. The girls at the bridge, three girls gave three different descriptions. Um, one woman. Well, the guy on the bridge said, I didn't see Richard Allen. I saw a young kid. Another woman says he wasn't wearing a blue jacket. He was wearing a tan jacket and he wasn't bloody. So all of that comes up. And if they lose the bullet, you know, 
know, there's yeah. no chance they can win. I think if that happens, then I think more than anything to save face, they'll go back and take a look at the, the Odinism thing. Again. Yeah. I'm shocked that they got off of it, you know, and that's what kind of makes me believe like what's going on. Like, why wouldn't they investigate that more? You know, I know that right, they went to apparently a professor, but they don't even yeah, know who that professor is anymore. Did you see how that happened? What happened there? I didn't. What happened? They went to this. They say the reason they stopped following the Odinism angle is because they went to this professor at Purdue and the professor told them there was no chance that this was related to any rituals or cult activity. The The defense said, you know, can can we talk to this guy? They said, oh, well, we, we can't find his name. Then finally, they put out something about it, you know, in the court hearing, you know, in the court motion. The next day, Coleman suddenly remembers the professor's name and goes to talk to him again. The Purdue professor actually said that it did look ritualistic to him. He said the opposite of what the cops told him, told them, he said. So mm -hmm. there's another lie they were caught in. Yeah, none of this is looking good. None of this is looking good at all. It's, it's, it's unfortunate because these little girls, especially if Richard Allen did play a part in it, uh, let's say he did, and he wasn't the, the only guy that was acting if he ends up getting off on it and a killer is out on the, on the loose and can't be tried again. I mean, that's just the, the failure of justice in that point. But like I said, I mean, everybody is innocent until proven guilty. You know, when the information came out, everybody was very quick to say that this guy was was the guy, you know, including us. You know, when we saw that probable cause affidavit, we had no reason to believe that the information was was a lie. I don't understand how they, the prosecution would have thought that they could have gotten away with this, knowing that somebody's going to go talk to these witnesses. You know, the lady that said it was a blue jacket, muddy and bloody, is eventually going to tell somebody the truth. Like, I, I, I don't understand it. I think the main thing was that um, they wanted to get the arrest warrant signed because they arrested him without a warrant. They arrested him. They brought, they had him come back out to state police post in Lafayette and they arrested him without a warrant. And then the next day they pressured the judge into signing the warrant. CA that's full of lies and holes. But uh, Lynn GMB says three investigators looked into Odin's found nothing. Uh, I don't think they found nothing. I don't know where you're getting that information. No, they didn't find nothing. They found out that Brad Holder told his wife that Pat Westfall killed the girls. Wasn't there um, something from one of the uh, family members, one of the family members of the victims that mentioned Odinism? Yeah. Uh, the grandmother of Libby, Becky, Becky uh -huh. Patty, shortly after the murders, he said that they should look into Brad Holder and his Odinist buddies. In a situation like that, I mean... And my heart breaks out to, to the family members of the victims and then obviously the victims as well. I mean, this is completely tragic. Well, and I the hope thing that is, if they're the only, they're the only Odin group in that area, why would they do it in their own backyard is my question. Might be that. that uh, That's true. That is a good question. Dumb, dumb about it. That, I think they wanted people to know they did it. Interesting. Um, it's like a terrorist, you know. Right. They bomb a building and then they say, we did it. You know, Jones says, I am sorry, Mr. Snay dismisses evidence that doesn't support the premise. If you could show me some evidence that I've dismissed, um, I might be able to address that better. Because the only evidence I dismiss is evidence that I've found out is bogus. Believe me, there's nothing more I would like than to believe that they have the right guy. I want to believe that Richard Allen's the guy. I really do. Yeah. 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 yeah you know, everything that comes out points somewhere else. The Odinism you know, avenues just, that's crazy. I mean, everything that, or the ritual avenue 
not looking at that. I, I mean, I would have, I found it insane. I mean, there was officers that were right. There was three of them who continued the search through this. They yeah. thought that there was a, so it wasn't just like the prosecution that are saying this other law enforcement officers who had privilege to the crime scene, privilege to everything also thought that there, this was a connection, correct? Yeah, because mainly because of certain things that appeared at the crime scene that also started appearing on Brad Holder's Facebook page, the runes that were from the crime scene. He posted a picture of two women lying in a forest that looked like they had been murdered and they were positioned somewhat similar, not exactly, but somewhat similar to um, and Libby, you know. And here's the thing, Elvis telling his sister, I put horns on Abby because she was a troublemaker. Okay? Mm -hmm. How did he know there were horns on Abby? Yeah, yeah, I mean... There's just so much about his statement that is extremely concerning, you know, to the point where did they ever bring him? I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I don't know if anybody else knows, but Elvis. Yeah, I know they brought they in his sister him. because they questioned him. And after the questioning, you know, he said he didn't know nothing about Delphi. And as the officer was getting ready to leave, he ran back to the car and said, hey, I got to ask you something. If my spit was on one of those girls, but there's a real good reason for it. Would I still be in trouble? The officer was like in disbelief and was like, uh, I can't answer that question. I mean, that's when you say, well, it's, it's, what's your good reason? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but he didn't follow like, up. He just put yeah, it in the court and turned it in, you know? Yeah, that's that's horrible police work. You know, um, you got somebody that's saying something like that. You kind of want to expand on that to a certain extent. Now, there was rumors as to why these two girls were selected. I believe it was, if it was the Odinism angle, that it was one of the uh, the victim's parents was in a, a mixed relationship, a mixed race relationship. Uh, was there any other, was there evidence of one of the parents possibly being in a mixed uh, race relationship? Um, or it, it would have had to have been Anna because um, I know Carrie and it wouldn't, it wasn't her. Um, I've, I have heard that. I don't know that it's true or not. You know, I think in the long run, we're going to find out that this murder had more to do with the flora fire than what we've considered in the past. Yeah. Um, and by that, I mean, I think it's possible that some of the same people participated in both. This could have been uh, positioned an initiation ceremony when all it was was just an old fashioned murder. Like, let's say, let's say one day, now, like I said, this is speculation. Let's say Logan Holder is with Abby one day and he tells Abby, hey, you know what? My dad burned that house down in Flora. And then Logan starts thinking, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Or Abby starts talking and it gets back to Holder. And Holder asks Logan, did you tell her that I started that fire? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, there's a witness out there. They got to get rid of her. That's a possibility. You know? But you can't look at the statistical improbability of four young girls being murdered in such a small area in such a short amount of time it's just bizarre you know wasn't there like an older couple that had whose lives were also taken and delphi or carroll county um, was reached out about i think that there was, was some fire, wasn't it oh no it was uh it was an older couple where it just recently came out i want to say one of them was like peggy i think it was the female's name i could be wrong and it, it was a guy who was older had a was balding had hair on the side of his head, kind of curly. And apparently there was some ritualistic um, things that were found at that murder scene as well. Oh, yeah. You're talking about the, uh, yeah, the Kentucky case, Stevenson's. Yes, yes. The, 
supposedly, from what I heard, is they were looking into the similarities between the cases, but did not having anything to do with Richard Allen. Yeah, I, I don't think there was no connection to Richard Allen there. They were looking at it because, you know, maybe they found some more stuff there, too. Yeah, I think that's what I had read. I think that's what had recently came out, that there was some. It wasn't the same. Draw a connection right. to Richard Allen. Right. And from what I heard, it wasn't like the same. Like, I guess there's like different, like symbols mean different things. And there's different versions of different, I guess, languages throughout the that entire thing. And apparently it's it's similar, but it's it's a different language through there. And But, there, but it was a um, supposedly a ritualistic type of event that the bodies were staged and things were put on the walls is what I had heard. Like maybe drawn on the wall, which kind of comes to, you know, somebody drew on a on a tree, a, a ruin, and you have maybe perhaps somebody drawn on a wall. If it was also drawn in, in the blood of, of those victims, that's that matches. If there's a lack of blood there, and uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, there's supposed to be a, uh, I think one of the girls had a stabbing to the neck and to the chest, and the other one was just slid across the throat. Is that correct? Um, yeah, I think um, they, they, you know, I know uh, Libby's throat was cut. Abby, I know, was stabbed once in the neck. I've heard that she was also stabbed in the heart, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I'd heard that it was, well, I, I mean, I don't know, that Libby was stabbed in the heart, but she wasn't clothed. That would be visual, wouldn't it? Based on yeah, the crime I mean, scene. You'd be able to see it. Yeah. They had talked about uh, just kind of going back to the crime scene that there was blood that looked like it was dripped over. Um, Libby, yeah, is that, is that accurate? Puzzle. Yeah. Ooh, crazy yeah. case. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's a lot. I was not expecting to read that. You know, what I was expecting to see was something to the effect like they were the bodies were hidden or or they were moved out of view. That's why it was moved and staged. And, you know, I was expecting to see something like that when when I read what I read from the defense and, you know, it was smart on their part to put it in the way that they did it because of the gag order and everything else that's in place yeah. You know, to get this information out there. It was very smart on their aspect. Are they on their side? Right. And, I mean, it's just, I mean, I'll say this. I, I've, we've broken down more of the Moscow, you know, Idaho four murders. And when the probable cause came out on both of these, I had initially said, you know, I know there's not a lot there for Richard Allen, but I think it's a stronger case than what Brian Koberger has. And as the, we've broken through the probable cause and his information come out, I have completely switched. <laughs> I think that the, uh, the more straight and narrow one is, is Brian Koberger. And, and this one here is a big question mark. And like I said, I'm not sure if, if Richard Allen is, is not involved, you know, putting himself there in that picture and stuff uh, of those girls at 126 and them claiming they saw somebody. Is it possible they saw somebody completely different? Yeah, yeah. That, that, that is possible. Yeah, because um, one of them says she saw a guy dressed in all black, and yeah. another one said she saw a guy in a light blue coat. Yeah, and so you know, there's the possibility that they saw you know somebody different than than uh, Richard Allen. I mean, is it possible that Richard Allen was there between twelve and one thirty, and that somebody else came after he had left and ran into some juveniles as well? I mean, I, I think that's possible. You know, uh, I do think though, just you know, being one hundred percent, that part tells me that. He was there and Elvis Fields tells me he was there. I don't know how many other people were there, but you know, you have a guy that is small in statue. You have a guy who, according to the defense, lacks uh, some competency and, and his IQ levels a little bit lower. I don't know if those two guys can pull it off on their own. I don't know. Maybe there is third or, or you know, 
Have you ever heard of like how many people are involved in a ritualistic event when it comes to this Odinism stuff? Is it is it like a two person ordeal? Is it sometimes 10 people out there? I've seen pictures of some of the ceremonies that they've done, and there's like five, six, seven people there. But according to Elvis, it was him and two other people. So I would think those two other people would have been Brad Holder and Pat Westfall. Mm -hmm. um, so, and the fact that none of them ever mentioned Richard Allen back in, you know, back six years ago, you know, makes me wonder if he is involved at all. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't sort of thing. But if you think about it, if Richard Allen is the guy and he knew where he was going to take them, he would have had to have everything all set up and ready to go. Because remember, he's got a very short window of time to do all this. So he would have to be able to take the girls from the bridge, get them across the creek somehow. Everybody will tell you, oh, there's sandbars and it's a, you're probably going to be dealing with waist deep water at the very, very most shallow. He mm -hmm. um, had to get them across the river you know, across the creek, kill them both, bring the blood, make sure there was no blood on, on Libby or Abby at all, redress Abby in wet clothes, put the sticks on there and arrange them and make it back to his car at four o'clock. He had to do all that. Not to mention, he had to carry a 200-pound Libby, dead weight, and set her down where she was found. Same thing with Abby. But Abby was a little smaller, you know, mm -hmm. because they weren't drugged there. They were set there. They were placed there. You can tell that. Mm. Nothing is disturbed. I mean, there's no footprints, nothing. Yeah. Yeah, especially if it's outside. You know, you would see drag marks. You'd see uh, leaves, you know, kind of indicating a clear path of where uh, they were drugged from. It's interesting. And I want to say about that, because um, you mentioned that it was clever how the defense got this information out there. It was. We had a discussion on my channel about was it legal? Obviously, it was because they're not in jail. Mm -hmm. Was it ethical? Well, that's a little grayer, but it depends on how you view it. How ethical is it them to take Richard Allen, take him in a prison, and not let us see any of the evidence from the crime scene itself? Was it a good idea? Yeah, I think it was a good idea because the defense got the information to the public. Me, there's no reason now. If you think you have the right guy, there's no reason to hide anything anymore. You know, come mm -hmm. right out with it. The pictures. I wasn't the only creator that got them. Some other creators got them. And some creators I've talked to, they're not going to acknowledge they got them. They're not They're not going to talk about them. You know, they're not going to describe the pictures at all. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to describe them. And the reason I'm going to is because defense has already described them in the, in the, uh, the boarding document. Mm -hmm. So I'm not the first. If I can help people understand what was there, then well, that's good. You know, hmm. um, I'm going to be my next live stream. I'll have a sketch that I made to show exactly how picks were arranged. When's that? When's that live stream coming out? Everybody know. Well, I would say it'll probably be Friday because uh, my voice is going to need a day to rest. You say that it's probably going to be on Friday. This guy's is Delphi After Dark. If you guys aren't subscribed out there, make sure you go subscribe. Uh, this is Rick Snay, he's the um, cr content creator. He's going to have some sketches come out. As you mentioned, don't don't miss them. I'm going to be I'll be on that live as well. I want to I want to get an idea of what it is that you saw. You know, it, it'll help me understand what I'm looking at. You know, could you draw the F as well or the one that was look like an F? Yeah. If you've seen the picture that Barbara McDonald says is false, mm -hmm. it's not. It's the real thing. 
Okay. So I want to thank you, Rick, for coming on. I hope we can do this again. It was a great conversation, yeah, yeah, in my yeah. opinion. Again, you're going to be on, I guess, maybe Friday, possibly, with your schedule. Yeah, I, I'll probably do it Friday. Friday, um, probably around uh, 3 p.m. Deal, good deal. And again, if you guys haven't subscribed to Delphi After Dark and you want to get an idea of what's going on in the area and from somebody who's from a perspective of somebody from the area, go check out Delphi After Dark. Check out Rick's name. I appreciate you having me on, Matt. I've had a good time. Thank you. Thank you. With all that said, thank you, Mod. Thank you, new members, members, and subscribers. We appreciate everybody in the comment section. Uh, we'll be back on Friday. With that being said, we're out. Peace out, well, guys. Take care, guys. Peace out.